The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Astros Baseball, a podcast by a fan. For the fans of the Houston Astros, here is your host, Rob Fontenot. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Astros Baseball. Tonight I'm joined by Brandon Scott. He is from Sports Radio 610 and he's also the host of the B Block podcast. Brandon, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me, man. I'm glad to be here, man. So what do you do at Sports Radio 610? So I manage the website and the social media accounts. I'm also kind of quasi assignment manager. So if there's a game or if there's a press conference, I'm usually the one to figure out who's going to be there to ask the questions and cut the audio and write the stories for the website. So, um, so I'm just kind of a, I'm kind of a utility guy. Um, but the main job is to maintain the website and the online presence, the digital presence. Oh, okay. So you're like the Aledmus Diaz of 610. I'll take that. I'll take a Aledmus Diaz. I like Aledmus. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? I'll allow it. I, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe aspiring to be sort of the Marwin Gonzalez of 610 one day, you know, yeah. uh, kind of that switcher who does everything, but, uh, but yeah, no, Aledmus Diaz works for me. You know, I was writing down the some notes about the injured players, and I completely forgot about him. So I'm glad I, I'm glad yeah. I thought about that. that it, it, he's an important one. I mean, that would that would help, especially when you consider the ones that you didn't forget about. You know, his his presence matters there. You know, yeah, you don't really realize how important someone like that is until you have Miles Straw playing shortstop or Jack Mayfield and all these different people trying to fill in. And, yeah, uh, yeah he, he'd be really helpful right about now. Right. And and you can remember when when you talk about depth and, and the areas where they needed it, it was almost exclusively, at least from what I could remember, in the preseason or in the ramp up leading up to summer camp, it was all about the pitching, you know, the bullpen and what the starting rotation would look like. And it was sort of just assumed and understood that the, you know, the infield and the, you know, some of these, uh, you know, position players that it would just all be okay, you know. And then, and then Diaz gets hurt, and you're like, oh, you know what? We actually really needed that guy. Yeah, I think there was one one game they had to call someone up because they didn't have anyone to play second base or something like that. I, and it's just, or maybe something about uh, Altuve needing rest or something, but. Well, I found it kind yeah, of odd I think, that they didn't have anyone to play second. They had to yeah. I think Toro played, right? Yeah, that's how that's how Jack Mayfield got back up here, I'm pretty sure. Uh um, oh, is okay. because is because of that. Because you know, Jack Jack had been sent back down Corpus for a little while. And I, I'm pretty sure that's how he got back up because you know, if you'd had a lead miss here and healthy, then Jack would have probably stayed in Corpus. 
Yeah, Diaz can play all four of the infield positions, and I think he could play left field, but I don't know how good he is at it. But right. it's definitely someone we're missing, and it's mm-hmm. definitely someone doesn't – I mean, I really don't hear anybody bring it up, but it's a big part. Yeah, it re- it rarely comes up. It rarely comes up even in press conferences now, especially when when you consider some of the bigger names are are the ones that are out now with Bregman on the on the um, on the injured list and yeah, obviously with Jordan. But yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent one that you that you need a guy who can do a little bit of everything. All right, tell me a little bit about the B Block podcast. What do you got going on there? Oh, so it's just it's a weekly podcast and I kind of just try to bring I try to bring what my experience is to to the podcast, basically. So I'm somewhat of an insider now um, being able to attend these games, the ones that are here, you know, the the Astros games that are here. And um, and so that's basically what it is, man. I mean, I'm not I don't have a show. I don't have like, you know, I'm not a guy who's. I guess marketed and branded at the station or anything like that. I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. That's kind of my role. And so this is just sort of and sort of a a play on that. The B block. If you're familiar with how television is produced, you know you have an A block, which is like your main, the main thing that you want to get into the newscast. And then, and I and I have a background there. I worked for KHOU for a little while. And so um, and so the B block is normally what you. The, you know, the next block, it's after the commercial break. It's the not necessarily the most important news, but but news nonetheless. And so I'm going to play off of that with my first name and the middle initial, the idea that I'm this guy who's behind the scenes, not somebody that you that you just put out there, on, you know, on Front Street. But, you know, it's the B block. So, you know, you've got uh, you've got sort of, sort of the behind the scenes of what's going on. So is there a future uh, at 610 behind the microphone for you or the job you have now is pretty much what's going on? I, you know, the job that I have right now is the one that's in front of me. And I think it's a really good one because it's giving me opportunities to do things like this and to be, like I said, sort of right there on the front lines of, uh, you know, of, comp- of live competition. I was able to go to spring training before the pandemic shut everything down. So, you know, I enjoy being a foot soldier, man. So, you know, I, I don't necessarily have to be, have to have a show. Now, I, I don't know anybody who wouldn't love that, who wouldn't love that type of opportunity. But um, but what I'm doing now, man, getting to be in the mix is really, really cool, man. Like, I'm really getting an up-close look at what the Astros are doing, what the Texans are doing. Obviously, the Rockets are out there in the bubble, and so that's a little different. But, you know, we're following that as, close as closely as we can, too. So... And, and again, you know, having this this uh, I kind of have a voice for the decisions are made, uh, the decisions that are made at the station. Like, you know, I'm not a decision maker, but the ones who do make decisions value my opinion and listen to me. So, you know, I, I actually enjoy that part of it as well. Like, I, I feel like the job that I do, um, at the very least, I matter there. And, you know, obviously the job matters to me. So. All right, so let's before we dive into the uh, San Diego series, the mm-hmm. Astros go to San Diego, bringing along with them an eight-game win streak. Yeah. How surprised are you that they managed to put an eight-game win streak together? I was pretty surprised, especially considering that the run production was not exactly what you would expect it to be with an offense that's this good. 
So I, I thought that the pitching really came through for them, um, you know, with the exception of I think there was one game where they had 11 runs um, within that within that eight game streak. With the exception of that and maybe a couple other performances, some spot performances here and there, the bats really weren't, you know, they weren't there. They weren't there for the most part. And and hitting with runners in scoring position has been a problem for this team, not just this season, but even going back, I feel like, to the end of last. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just been an issue. So I was surprised a little bit. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, if you think before the eight-game winning streak, things were had gotten so bad or at least seemed to go so bad. And um, so, you know, you felt like they had to turn for them at some point. Um, so so I guess you could look at it either way. Like, it had to turn at some point. It couldn't continue to be this bad. Um, losing to the Giants, especially in the fashion that they lost that one. Um, you know you know the game that I'm talking about where they, <laughs> where they definitely yeah. should have won that game. Oh, yeah. um, you figure it can't get any worse than that, especially against a team like the Giants. So, uh, you know, it's good to see them bounce back. Yeah, it, it always helps when you can play. We can start that off against a team like uh, like Seattle where we, we can get um, some games in against the Mariners. I think that helps. Um, but it was also good to see them finally do it against a really good team. Um, you know, those those two games, those last several games against the uh, against the Rockies, you know. So, I mean, there was there were parts in there that weren't very impressive where you thought, okay, they're kind of just getting by. Pitching is bailing them out. Um, but when they went to Colorado, I felt really good about it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I believe when Colorado came to town for the first two games, yeah, uh, they had the same pretty much. So some people are saying, you know, yeah, the Astros won eight games, but it was against, you know, teams that aren't very good. But I, I consider Colorado pretty good. But yeah. one one thing to me – and this is a plus, and this is something people may overlook here and there. But when you're in the Astros' position, as good of a team as they are, and I'm not saying they're the best, but when you play teams like Seattle, you have to win. You have to win those games. You can't mm-hmm. give any of those up. And most of their wins have come against them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that when you play against teams like Seattle – you have to win. I think when you get, you know, performances like even like today, a performance from Grinky, I think he, he honestly pitched well enough for them to win. You know, um, when you get certain certain performances, you cannot squander, you know, um, and then certain opportunities you can't squander. And, and I felt like that, you know, playing against San Diego was going to be one of those where, hey, there's not going to be a lot of opportunities to win. Um that's why I thought Friday was really disappointing because even though Lance McCullers' curveball wasn't great, I thought that, you know, that being a bullpen game for San Diego um, and San Diego not having a great bullpen, <laughs> that mm-hmm. should have been an opportunity for the Astros to really, really capitalize. I mean, the guy who gets the win is, is a converted shortstop. You know, it's his first career win, and I'm thinking – you know, and I, you know, I look back. I think about a an at bat of Carlos Correa in the fifth inning of that game, where uh, he swings at a slider way out of the zone, man, low and way out of the zone. And I'm thinking, what are you doing, man? This guy isn't even really, <laughs> you know, in my head, I'm like, this guy isn't even really a pitcher, you know. Now, obviously, obviously, he is a pitcher. He is a pitcher now, but you know, that's yeah. just what's going on in my. I'm like, this is your opportunity, you know. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you've got to win every game against Seattle. You can't be out here, especially if things are going to be touching go the way they have been as far as health and, you know, this uncertainty with the bullpen. I mean, you cannot afford any letdowns. And I think, honestly, Seattle might be, I mean, that's got to be the worst team that they'll face out of the out of the two divisions, right? I mean, but somewhere between C- Seattle and, and San Francisco. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I'm with you. I figure you've got to win every one of those games. Yeah, we'll get to this later, but the Angels are actually worse than Seattle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> it's funny, too. They play the Angels. That's the next series. And I, I do this thing where I just forget the Angels even exist. I like it. This honestly, it honestly happens. And they've got obviously the best player in the game. They've got Otani, who's not, who I don't think is a pitcher anymore, but you know, that's a, maybe a discussion for another day. But man, I just totally Rendon. forgot about the Angels. Rendon, yeah, they just, they just signed Rendon, you know. Yeah. And for some reason, they are a complete afterthought for me. I have no idea why that is, but you're, you are correct. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't know what the Angels are thinking. I mean, they keep spending money on these players, position players, and they never have pitching. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you would think at some point that they would invest in that. Uh, now, I, I'm not sure how hard of a run they made at Garrett Cole, um, <laughs> but I don't know. That would have been that would have been the, the way I would have been trying to go, um, as opposed to Rendon, because I mean they've got they've made so many moves with position players. You would think they would try to fix the pitching at some point. Um, right. And maybe maybe they thought Otani was going to actually be, you know, uh, better than he's been on the mound, but they they have not figured it out at all. No, he just needs to hit. Yeah, uh, he's a hitter. So, he's not a pitcher. So so you were talking earlier about like not taking advantage of great starts. The the last start Grinky had before today, he went eight scoreless innings. And they were tied zero to zero after regulation, after nine innings. So, I mean, they're not, the pitchers are giving them, in most cases, good starts, but we're either not far ahead enough or we're not scoring at all. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really just been the disappointing part, especially when you consider what you were looking at coming into the season. You thought, well, you know, all the questions, right? All the questions had to do with, What's the bullpen going to be like? And what's the back end of that rotation going to look like? Now, of course, all hell's broken loose, right? With the injuries and none of it even looks like what we thought it was going to look like at the time. Like it's even less certain or at some point, at one point became less certain than it was even then. But the hitting has just been such a surprise, man. Like, yeah, like you said, I mean, Granky had gone, I mean, even his start before that, like his last two starts uh, before that, I think he had gone, something like 13 and a third or 12, don't call me right, either 12 and a third or 13 and a third, something like that, scoreless, mm-hmm. you know, and and they, you know, it's just like you can't you can't afford to waste that when Grinky's showing you ace stuff, maybe not ace stuff, but, I mean, he knows how to manipulate a baseball so well and how to mix his pitches so well. He just understands it so well that you expect for them to go out there and kind of give them the run support that, a performance like that warrants, you know? It's really disappointing. Yeah, so the uh, Padres came into the series with the Astros. Uh, I, I think they had a grand slam in three or four games in a row. These guys were hot. They were taking it to the Rangers. 
And uh, we held them on Friday, but they got a grand slam on Saturday. But, I mean, they had a guy, Grisham, hit three home runs. And I believe they had six home runs total in one game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say they destroyed us. 13 to 2 on Saturday. Yeah, so the first thing, so we had Dusty Baker after the game, and I want to say the question was more about pitching. The question that was that he was asked, I can't remember exactly what the question was, but he just goes to, man, we couldn't keep him inside the ballpark. You know, like that was, that was, that's the feeling there. It's like, man, we just could not keep them outside, of, inside the ballpark. This is a hot team that they ran into. And, yeah, man, they just touched them up. I mean, these are <laughs> this is clearly a really good lineup if they've got and it was it was four great grand slams coming in or four games with a grand slam coming into that. And I think it's now five out of the last six because of the Friday game that you mentioned. Yeah. And you know, and that was the McCullers game where you know the McCullers game for for the Astros, but the bullpen game for them where you know you're you're facing Garrett Richards, which is a guy who the Astros had seen a lot because he pitched for the Angels. Yeah. Or at least, or at least uh, Josh Reddick and Jose Altuve had seen him the most. And then you're able to get him to 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 go – I think it was 64 pitches in the first two innings and a very stressful first two innings, man. They strand the bases loaded. Um, so squandering those opportunities, mm-hmm. um, even when you had that guy in there. And then, and then the bullpen gets in. And they work you too, you know, and it's a it's a not it's not a very good bullpen for all the attention that the Padres are getting for the grand slams and for Fernando Tatis being what looks like a, a superstar in the making. Wow. Um, yeah, man. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, I you, you can't take your eyes off this guy when he's when he's uh, when you're watching the Padres. But for all of that, the uh, the bullpen is not very good. I mean, they came in here. 27th in the league the bullpen ranked 27th in the league and, and you know they weren't able to do anything with that on Friday night which is really I think the opportunity because obviously Saturday <laughs> they almost stood no chance because you know they they got to Brandon Belak early and um you know so uh, you know the Saturday game never seemed competitive no um, to, to, today was Sunday Sunday was but Friday certainly seemed like the best opportunity to get a W yeah, today uh, we jumped on them. We scored three runs in the first inning. Uh, Tucker had a two-run homer. I mean, and we ended up with five hits. When Greeky left, again, another another outing, we were tied. We, he left him in a place to win. And then Paredes gave up two runs, and we lost five to three. But, I mean, we went eight innings without being able to score, and that just that stuff isn't going to cut it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and it's kind of it's kind of conflicting as well because like right around the time when it seems like Jose Altuve is starting to figure it out a little bit, you know. And I know he didn't have a hit today, but you know he had before today uh, or before Sunday, I should say. He had what was it four straight multi-hit games? Yeah. After after this this lull that he had been in, so it's like okay, Altuve is getting it together. And, you know, then it's like, okay, well, but we're still not scoring runs. Like, what good is it if he's getting it together and, you know, the lineup as a whole can't figure it out? Um, Yeah, man, I mean, you just – it's just really bad. It's just really bad when, um, 
when you when you don't have the run supporting, you do have the pitching. And you know, I can remember Grinky's first start thinking, man, I don't know. I don't know how good how good Grinky's gonna be this year. And it's like ever since then, he's giving you a chance to win. So no, I mean you can't waste performances like this, you know. Um, like I mentioned, you know, I, I thought I thought from you know from a bird's eye view that Friday was the best opportunity to win. Um, certainly the opportunity was there on Sunday. That that home run that he that Paredes gave up to Machado, I believe, is the first home run that Paredes has given up all season. Um, so and then and you give it up to Manny Machado of all folks. Yeah. And there's no there's no uh, shame in that. So I mean he left one high in the zone, a fastball high in the zone. You know that probably wasn't a great pitch, but you know these things happen. It was there. There was a chance there. There's an opportunity there to win the game. Um, to, to just do more. I mean, look at who all got hits. I mean, you didn't get anything from Springer. You didn't get anything from Altuve. No. Uh, you know, and 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 you need that. You absolutely need it. No, nothing from Gurriel today. You know, that was a surprise to me. You know, normally he's he's good for for a hit. I think that um, missing Alex Bregman is so huge because. I mean, obviously he's Alex Bregman, but like that's a guy that you always have an opportunity to to play. So you always have an opportunity to score him because at some point in the game he's going to get on base. You know? um, it's just almost like a like a fact that he's just going to get on base, whether that's walking or getting a hit. So yeah, um, yeah. So they're missing that as well. So today the Astros only got five hits, and. Today seemed like a bullpen day for the Padres. I think they used like seven pitchers. They they used four or five before Grinky was even out of the game, and we and we couldn't score. Yeah, yeah, man. Again, you know, when you when you think about that, like, and, and think about the like juxtapose the quality of this lineup versus the quality of that bullpen. And it just doesn't sit right with you that they can't score more runs. But this is an issue that has been that existed even during the like I was mentioning before, even during the winning streak. And I, I think it's Jeff Van Gundy who who coined the term, or who I at least heard say it, like "Don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat." And and that's that was kind of the story of the winning streak for me until they got to uh, until they got to Colorado, obviously. But it's like, hey, you know what? These guys aren't really hitting, or in the very least, they're not scoring runs. They're not hitting with runners in scoring position. Not a lot of timely hits. Um, you had you had the Tucker walk off that 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 was an example of uh, the you know the kind of timely hits that you want to see that you don't see enough of. Yeah. Um, you had that uh, you know about a, however long ago that was a week or so ago, but even during the winning streak, even in victory, that was a concern for me. Um, you know celebrating the, the the pitching success, but also being concerned about, hey, you know, these guys aren't scoring runs. And um, and it's even more concerning for me, honestly, when I look at it happening against San Diego and, um, and this underwhelming bullpen that they have. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about when you said about Tatis, we were talking about how good he is. Yeah. Um, I, I actually live in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And the missions here are the AAA team for the Padres. Okay. And Tatis played here many, many times. I saw him play here, and I just had no idea that he was going to be this good, or I would have been uh, 
you know, trying my best to get a ball autographed or something from them. Uh, but going back to the Astros, the pitching, we need timely hits, but our pitching was the reason we were winning a lot of these games at the beginning, these young kids. And now it seems like they're starting to get figured out. Maybe they're not new. You know, there's a scouting report on them now. And yeah. so we're going to need the offense to balance that out because, you know, you can't pitch forever without people figuring out your weaknesses or, you know, what you're going to do. Yeah, it seemed, it does seem like we're past the honeymoon phase with the with the rookie pitchers. It does seem that way. I'll say that for Brandon Belak's part, this was kind of – I think this was just going to happen at some point. Out of all of them, he probably has, like, the least impressive stuff. But he's also just got the poise and, and sort of that same thing I was mentioning about Grinky as well, just knowing how to pitch. Um, he doesn't necessarily manipulate a baseball the way Grinky does. I'm not saying that, but he just knows what he's doing out there. Um, but with him not having it, like he's not a flashy guy, you know, it's real easy to get enamored with uh, with Lance McCullers. And I mean, he's a flamethrower, but he's also got that nasty curveball. And when it's when it's right, it's among the best in baseball. But you know, Belak's not that guy. You know, he's he's just a he's just a really good pitcher. You know, just in terms of doing doing situations and how to mix his pitches and kind of just being on the same page as his catcher and everything like that. And I think uh, you know when he when he ran into a really good lineup, a really talented lineup, a really hot team, um, they touched him up. You know, I I, I kind of. I kind of felt felt like this was going to happen to him at some point. Maybe not to the tune that it did on Saturday. Yeah. But, um, but I felt like I saw it coming because he's got just the the, the least, um, I'd say the, the the underwhelming stuff of anybody in the rotation right now for me anyway. Um, Christian Javier. Now that's someone who I, I guess that it's sort of the same thing, or probably more so to the point that you were just making before about having tape on a guy. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, he, I mean, he's, he's still someone who's impressive. I mean, the way, the, the way his fastball spins is still, uh, is still something to marvel at. So, you know, I, I feel really good about them. Um, I think it is time for to kind of come back down to earth, um, you know, yeah. in, in, yeah. as far as, like, what the expectation is and, and how good they really are. Like, like, like we, we can acknowledge that while they've been good, you know, they're, they're obviously not – this is not the same as having Verlander and Jose Urquidy um, in the rotation and then say that that last guy is either Framber Valdez or Christian Javier or – and in, in this case, Brandon Belak wouldn't even be in the rotation. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we got to kind of taper our expectations and remember exactly who we're dealing with and be glad when we get those performances, you know, when they uh, – <laughs> They go out there and like be in the start before this one when he gets in those jams. Think about that too. How he's walking guys and loading the bases, but still getting out of it. You know that kind of showed to his uh, to his ability, and I, I think his uh, you know his his ability as a pitcher more um, savvy, I should say. But <laughs> I mean, it, it was there to be had. You know, you could see it even in that game that this guy could get could could, could be had at some point. So, um, so I mean, my expectations aren't through the roof for these guys, but they have shown 
that they have an ability that they can keep the Astros in, in games. And if these bats can wake up, um, you know, you might have might might have a, a legitimate <laughs> a legitimate contender here. Yeah, one person or one pitcher that's been impressing me so far this year is Framber Valdez. Yeah, man. He came in in relief for Josh James in his first outing and gave us almost seven innings. And it seems like now, since he's become a starter, I mean, he's good for seven or eight innings every time. And he's got some good stuff. Yeah, well, remember, man, it, it was <laughs> Framber Valdez got the most, got the highest of compliments that anybody could get. Um, and then that was that a couple of years ago, I think it was Mike Trout who said that Fromber had the best stuff on the, <laughs> the, 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 on the, on the Astros entire staff, you know? And so I think that caught the attention, even of the coaches of, of Brent Strom, you know, Astros pitching coach Brent Strom. They're like, well, wait a minute. If, if Mike Trout is saying this about the guy, there must be something to it. But yeah, man, to your point, I mean, he saved that game. You know, you thought Josh James was going to be, you know, when they when he got here after the birth of his child and, you know, he was a little bit late coming to camp. But uh, there was this idea that he was primed to be a starter. And, you know, that that total that turned out to be totally off base. Um, he, he wasn't ready to do that at all. Um, and, and in that game, <laughs> Romber comes in and just kind of saves the day. And yeah, man, I mean, he's been. I mean, outside of, you know, the what I guess you would call the staples right now, which is Zach Greinke and Lance McCullers, mm-hmm. you know, the, the other three guys are the young guys, I guess, or the not-so-proven not so guys. He's the one I feel best about, you know. Um, by far, he's the one that I feel best about. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I think that when, when Frommer takes the mound, you can feel pretty good, but that's another one. You know, he's another one who – you cannot waste his outings, you know, because, you know, after that, you know, at some point you're going to have to uh, maybe pick up Brandon Belak or pick up Christian Javier or, or if, you know, God forbid Lance McCullers has, has a, has an inning like he did in Arizona where, you know, if they let the roof open or whatever they'll have, yeah. there, you know, like that's going to happen at some, you're going to have those, uh, those scenarios where, you know, you've got to be able to pick a guy up. Yeah, hopefully Belak can shake his last outing off. Uh, but anyway, you know, we have a lot of injuries where you're talking about JV, Osuna. Both of these guys are talking about coming back at the end of the year. Uh, Peacock, I think Brantley may be okay. He's, he's still at DH, right? He didn't play in the field today. Yeah, no, he didn't play in the field. He's DH, and and you can you can believe that, that he's not a big fan of it. But, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's he's uh he's still DH and they 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 basically need him there. Would be order on out specifically. Yeah, so at this point in the season, twenty-eight games in, uh Carlos Correa leads the Astros in average with a three hundred average. Mm-hmm. Uh Yuli Guriel leads the team in home runs. I think he has five. Mm-hmm. It's funny that one guy that leads the team has five and that dude from the Padres had three in one game. <laughs> And then that's hilarious. Let me just ask you this: You might know because you watch the broadcast, but do you know who leads the Astros in runs scored and RBIs? Runs scored and RBIs. I'm gonna say Kyle Tucker. You would be right, sir. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-two yeah, yeah. runs and twenty RBIs. It was just 
sometime last week, he was getting slander on Twitter. Uh-huh. You know, I'm not impressed by this guy. He's only hitting 220. He's like the only offense we have lately. Well, you know what's funny about that? That you would mention that? I, it's funny because when <laughs> when we talked to Dusty Baker, uh, you know, <laughs> he's not killing the guy, but, you know, he, he has a lot of fun at Kyle's expense, I feel like. Dusty does as well. You know, we were talking about resting guys and, uh, you know, who, who needed to rest. And, you know, and apparently Kyle Kyle's name came up because whatever their analytics showed that he was in the red or that he, you know, he had spent some however much energy, which, you know, <laughs> listening to, to, to us here right now talk about his run production and everything makes sense. But Dusty's saying he's the youngest guy out there. And for a while, he was just. Grounding out and running to first base and running back to the dugout. I don't know what he's tired for, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I found that to be hilarious when I look back and I thought, well, you know what? Early in the season, I could see that, but you know, Kyle's been Kyle's been pretty good. You know, he had the walk off, and even outside of that, you know, like you said, he's he's been pretty good. You know, um, I think it's really important, by the way, um, the development of Kyle Tucker and knowing what you have in him, considering that. At the very least, one of these outfielders is going to be gone, and possibly more than one, possibly two of them, possibly all of them. You know, um, yeah. Between Brantley, Reddick, and of course George Springer, so you really need to know what exactly Kyle Tucker is, whether he's a reliable guy or whatever the case may be. If he's not, you need to know that too, um, and and kind of be able to move on from there. Um, and I feel like they're they're finally getting that getting that sense or that feeling that, you know, he's a guy that they can, they can sort of depend on in years after this. Yeah. So the Astros are 15 and 13, Oakland 20 and nine. So we're in second place. And all you got to do is finish in second place. You can even finish in fourth. I think the uh, national league, man, I think it's the, the West Arizona. Mm -hmm. Last time I looked, they were in fourth place in the NOS. And they're going to make the playoffs because they have the second best record out of all the teams not in first or second. Right. But the Astros, I mean, unless there's a total collapse, they're going to make the playoffs. I I, I don't have any doubts about that. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're five games ahead of Texas, uh, four ahead of Seattle, and L.A. has nine wins. So hopefully we, we play them four times now. We got four games against them. Yeah, got Valdez, Javier, Lance McCullers Jr. in the first three games. Thursday isn't announced, but uh, you know, the, yeah. the ne- out of the next nineteen games, they're against Texas, Oakland, and LA. But Oakland's good. I mean, we played Oakland. I I don't think there was any games we should have or could have won. I mean, they were the better team in that series. No, they they were the better team in that series, and I'm just gonna be straight up with you Rob I think they're the better team period you know um, right now at least Um, I remember before the season started back when back when baseball was still doing all the bickering about the money and everything uh, I remember we had Richard Justice on the air with us Uh, Richard Justice longtime baseball writer wrote for the Houston Chronicle writes for MLB.com now and he mentioned that or his opinion at the time was that the A's are possibly the best team in baseball 
And I remember hearing that and thinking, hey, look, I know the A's are really good. I know they've won 90 games for however many years in a row and that they're a really good team. But ain't no way the A's are the best team in baseball. And then sure enough, <laughs> sure enough, we get here and they can make a case for it. Like, they, they may not be. But they certainly have a case. Um, I think they're the second. Are they the second team to 20 wins after the Dodgers? I think that might be right. Uh, yeah, I didn't look yeah. up. I didn't look up anybody else. I just looked up. Yeah, the rest. yeah, no, yeah, no. That's that's right. The Dodgers were the first team to 20 wins, but then the 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 I'm sorry, the the A's are right there behind them. And uh, yeah, man, I mean that's a really good team. Um, I think that you know I, I would just reiterate your point about this for as the playoffs go. Um, it, it would take I don't know how many injuries it would take for this team to not make the playoffs. Um, now they're going to have to do it. I, I do believe they're going to have to do it at the very least as one of those top two teams in this divisions. In this division, I don't think that they're going to get one of those wild card spots uh, because it's it seems really competitive in those other divisions. And 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 you know at, those other divisions have more than two good teams, and, and you know the West only has the two. So um, so I'm not really sure how that will play out. They need to for sure. <laughs> in the top two of this division um, but I think they'll be that you know um, the thing that worries me right now is just that again the point that you made with uh, you know with the Mariners <laughs> a lot of the wins have come against the Mariners and uh, you know they're they're 0-8 against teams that are right now you know at or above 500 you know they have not beaten the good teams they've not done well against the A's of the world um, and obviously just got got swept by the by the uh, by the Padres. And so, you know, every time they play the Mariners, which has been twice now, I'm like, OK, let's get a good team in here so I can really evaluate this squad. OK, so what's your opinion on the Astros playoff run? How far do you think they can go? It's funny, man, because so over at uh, 16, another thing that I do at 16 is work for Radio.com. That's sort of our national and corporate arm for for the uh for the company and they had us do this you know world series predictions you know predict the season and and they go to every local market and get our picks you know and so obviously i'm the guy from houston who they come to and and i noticed when we published that i was the only one who had picked the astros to win the world series I don't know if that's, you know, the homer in me. I'm from here. I've rooted for the team my whole life. I, I live here. I don't know. Maybe that's part of what it was. But I was the only one that picked them, not just to win it, but to even go to the World Series. Um, <laughs> and I felt good about it. I was like, you know, I can I can live with this pick. You know, this this team has been one of the best in baseball for the last four or five years or whatever it is. And, you know, this <laughs> – this is my pick. And then, of course, of course, the whole thing happens with Verlander after opening day. And it's like, oh, hell, you know, <laughs> that certainly changes the calculus. Um, I don't see this as a World Series team necessarily. I don't see this as a World Series team, but I'll say this. They're a playoff team. And I think that that is something that Astros fans should just hold out hope for or, or should be able to hang their hat on, I should say. Because this time, this time last year, or whenever the play, I should say, whenever the playoffs started, you couldn't have convinced me that the Nationals were going to win the World Series, or even go to it for that matter. You know, I was Dodgers all the way. You know, Dodgers Astros rematch and all of that. You know, that was my mindset. I didn't see the Nationals coming. 
So as long as they can get into this thing, I think that there's a that there's a shot there, and that's what sort of excites me and keeps hope. But I, I don't view them as the World Series winner that I pinned them as right before the season started when I thought that they had Justin Verlander at the top of the rotation and before I realized that um, that Jose Altuve might not be the same, you know, and, and you know, those are those have been two revelations for me that have been just uh, difficult to reckon with, um, you know, that the, that the pitching staff is not even as good as I thought it would be, even though they've been better than you might expect, given what's happened to them, you know, mm-hmm. everything, everything's context, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the pitch is there, but if they hit like this, man, I don't, I, I mean, they, they, the offense cannot look like this and they expect to make any kind of significant run in the playoffs. It's just, it just cannot happen. Yeah. The Astros have a lot of talent and it, let's say Osuna and JV do get back at the end of the year and they are there to make a playoff run. Maybe Peacock's back. Uh, I mean, you never know. You never know. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're looking at them now, no. I, I don't think they're a World Series team. Um, they may be able to get out of the first round. I really don't know. I mean, it's it just all depends. But I, I really can't predict how far they're going to go without looking at the matchups. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't see a World Series title coming from them. But one thing I do see is this. We got JV, Grinky. McCullers, we got all these guys except these outfielders coming back next year, and all of these young kids, all of these rookies, they'll all have a year under their belt, and we may make a run next season. Yeah, I, that's certainly interesting. You know, I I didn't know as much about these young kids before as I do now, and so I definitely feel better. I mean, I know that there were a lot of conversations on on our air about you know how how open is this window how long do they have do the astros have to be this good and there's been the debate is it one year is it two years you know and not many people thought it was past two after uh, or i should say before the season started um but yeah man i mean there's there's even a case to be made that maybe justin verlander would be better off uh, maybe Roberto Osuna would be better off if, you know, if this season is sort of acknowledged as just the anomaly that it is, sort of a wash. You know, would you rather, would you rather win another World Series in a full, um, in a full season, you know, in a full 162 game season? Would you prefer that as opposed to this abbreviated thing where 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 it's all so weird? With a ramp up, which you know could could very well be attributed to a lot of the injuries that we've seen, not just for the Astros, but across baseball. You know, is is it how worth is how much worth it yeah. is it to to come back for for what this is for what this season has amounted to? And are you putting yourself at risk? I, you know, this is the one thing that I don't know the answer to, but I'm curious about when we talk about Justin Verlander and Roberto Osuna coming back. You know, like was the was them coming back to begin with a problem? You know, so was it if you can acknowledge that the ramp up was too quick and too odd for for the way it works for a pitcher to get ready for a season? Then I feel like you could acknowledge that it might not be worth it 
for them to try to come back. You know, like I'd love for them to. I'd love to see them out there. I prefer them be out there than not. Um, but at the same time, I, I really wonder how much worth it is to them and their long-term viability for both for them as individuals and for the team. You know, um, I, I'm really concerned about that. And I'm, I'll be interested to monitor that because, you know, the reports initially on both of these guys is that they have to be shut down for the season. And both of them have kind of scoffed at that and, and have, have made a go of it uh, as far as trying to throw again and, and at least trying, you know, the, if they don't make it back, it won't be because they didn't try to come back. Um, but I do question whether they should, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, I'll, I'm rooting for them. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, I'm not really sure if that's the best idea, you know. Yeah, that's the opinion I had with Alvarez when he came back, uh, you know, started off with a home run, his first at bat, uh, yeah. played two games and his knees were hurting. And yeah. that's what I was thinking. It's like, you know, this season is crazy. You know, we, we have all these rookie pitchers. Our our team is just in shambles in a way. You know, just get surgery. Do whatever you got to do to be healthy for next year. And I kind of agree with you if that's what you're saying about Verlander Osuna. Like, mm-hmm. let's just wait till next year. We'll have a full season. You can have a full uh, spring training to get ready and healthy. Let's make – because this is their last season to have Granky and Verlander. Let's just make a push next year. Let's do what we can this year, get some experience, and let's go for the World Series next year. Uh, before I let you go, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, Springer's a free agent. And yep. social media, fans on uh, Twitter, you got to sign Springer. you got to sign Springer. And he's my favorite player. I can tell you that right now. But my opinion, no matter if he's my favorite player or not, if we're going to spend money on another position player, because we've already threw money at Bregman and Altuve, my opinion is throw that money at Carlos Correa. Agree or disagree with that? I agree with you now. Now, I'll say this, though. My opinion going into the season, I was open-minded on that question. So if you had asked me that at spring training, I would not have been able to give you a definitive answer. Because I honestly thought, and again, this is in spring training before the pandemic, before we know that the world's about to change, right? I'm right. thinking I'm thinking then that, hey, this is a proven year for Carlos Correa. You know, I want to see him healthy. I want to see him productive consistently throughout the season. Like, there's never been a question to me. Carlos Correa is the most talented player on this baseball team. Like, I, and I, I'll say that with a straight face and tell it to anybody who asks me, you know, that that's the best player on this team. It's Carlos Correa, you know. Like the best player might be Bregman, uh, if you if you take everything into account. But just pure talent, um, it, it's Carlos Correa. You know, uh, physical uh, gifts and all of that. You know, offense, defense. I mean, it, it's Correa. That this is that guy. But you know, there was there were those issues about you know health and um, I know some have had. Uh, questions about focus he doesn't seem to be to have any issues with um, his mentality or anything like that I mean he seems locked in Um, he looks every bit like the player that we expected him to be Um, and so even though this is an abbreviated version of it um, and it's not the full I mean it sucks you know I wanted 162 um, not for him to play 162 games but for uh, throughout a 162 game season to see him 
consistently productive throughout the entire year. And that was what was going to make me feel better about signing him long term as opposed to, to George Springer. But man, even in the small sample size, I can see it. You know, blind eyes could see it, it's it's there, man. This is the guy. Uh, he's younger, uh, you know, on top of it. You know, so you have to factor that in. It's Carlos' career for me. Even though I love George, I'm just like you. Uh, yeah. I love George Springer. I love everything that he brings. Um, I think that more importantly, the team loves him and respects him. You know, he, um, but I mean, you could say the same for Correa, though. But, you know, George commands this, this sort of respect in the locker room that I think is really valuable. Um, and and um, he's just got this maturity about him that I think is really, really cool, really calm. Um, and, I, and I love the guy. I absolutely love him. Um, but it's it's got to be Correa. If you're, I, I don't see how you could objectively look at it and and go the other way on that. Yeah. So one thing I've always thought about is they they gave all the money to Altuve, Bregman. They have like thirty million dollar a year contracts, mm-hmm. and do they have enough money to throw a big contract to Carlos Correa? and still be able to have good pitchers. I mean, these young kids will be cheap. If they work out, then yes, because they're going to have a lot of cheap pitching. You know, I, so on that on that point, you know, obviously there's no salary cap, and, and I don't know what revenue is going to look like after this whole pandemic, you know, when the dust settles and everything like that. I'm a little bit concerned about that, like how that's just going to affect the market in general. But the Astros wouldn't be unique in that in that scenario. That would just affect baseball, I think, at large. But Bregman's deal, I feel like, you know, six years, $100 million, you know, I feel like, you know, by now we should really be looking, even at the time, honestly, I feel like that's a team-friendly deal. Um, you know, if that could be a lot worse is what I'm saying, is the point that I'm trying to make there, is that, you know, Bregman probably could have gotten a deal for more than that, and it would have been even harder. Um I think in a couple of years, you know, because you don't have to do this until I think what 2021, right? You know, I think you've got a couple of years before you have to do this thing with Korea. Yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> I think I mean it'll be a lot of money, but I mean, this is what I mean, this is what you're here for. I mean, this is what you build and build and build for is to have players like that, you know, to have uh, you know, a the these types of talents. Now, the uncomfortable conversation, here's the conversation that I don't want to have. That that who knows if we'll have to have it at some point, but if over these two years if Jose Altuve is not the same player, you know, do you do you try to deal him out, and and how does that affect how does that affect negotiations with Carlos Correa, who adores Jose Altuve, you know, um, you know, like the, and and again, let's let's be real, Jose Altuve is an institution here, he's a legend here, um, but who knows. You know, who knows what could happen there? Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm curious to see what that would be like. Like, does everybody stay good at the same time? You know, like nothing's forever. Right. So, you know, I, I'm interested to see how that how that plays out. You know, you know, what do they have enough money or <laughs> would be a situation where they say goodbye to some of the money and, and bring in some, <laughs> you know, the, the new money will be Correa's, you know, Um who knows how that's going to play out, but, you know, obviously if they don't sign Springer or if they're not, if, whether that be them not being able to or whatever the case may be, you got to think that the rest of those dollars there uh, or the the priority 
is either going to be Carlos Correa uh, or, you know, some other <laughs> likewise free agent, you know? Yeah, I think Altuve, this is just my, you know, my view on him, just looking at him, you know, watching mm-hmm. his body language. He's not having fun. No. I think he needs to start having fun, yeah. and I think he'll play better. I think the pressure is just so much on him. He's taken so much heat for being a cheater, and he's one that didn't really want to take part of it. But, you know, not to get into that, but, you yeah. know, he was part of the team, and he could have stopped it. So he's just yeah. guilty as the ones using it, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, but, but the one thing to think about, when you think about spending this money and keeping all these guys, we have a general manager from Tampa Bay where they have teams with low payroll. So who knows if they're going to spend any more money? We don't know what the future holds for the Astros. Yeah, but, uh, you know, being in Tampa Bay, I mean, he's taking that direction from ownership, right? Like, I don't – I feel like Jim Crane, especially having a taste of success – and then if you add the context of the sign stealing situation on top of that, like they've won the World Series, but like only us in Houston or in an Astros fans, Astros Twitter, Astros insular bubble even acknowledges the thing now at this point, you know. <laughs> and so it's like, OK, now you might want to prove to the rest of the world, you know, I can see him putting his money where his mouth is. I don't have an, I don't have much of an issue as far as like whether they're going to be willing to spend the money. It's just a question as to where and how they're going to prioritize these things. But I think that they want to remain competitive, especially while they still have these guys around. Um, if there's a way to get Verlander on some kind of a friendly deal, uh, for, to get him to come back if he's still healthy and still able to do it. Um, I mean, I, I think it's still there, man. And, you know, Carlos Correa, I mean, he's one of those guys, right? I mean, you drafted him number one overall. What was that, 2012? I'm forgetting one of those, somewhere around there. And I mean, he's he's a homegrown product at this point. I mean, you don't, to me, you don't draft a guy like that. He pan out, and then you just let him get away. You know, right. that's that to me is just, you know, counterintuitive. You know, um, so you keep that guy around. And, you know, or, or at least try, you know, best you can. And uh, it's unfortunate that, that, you know, the situation is what it is with George, because I think that, you know, I think he's going to that the Astros are going to get outbid there. I think there's probably a little, you know, maybe some bitterness there on how he was treated, how he was brought up, um, you know, from the minors and how his service time was manipulated, um, you know, because <laughs> that assuredly messed him out of some money, you know, otherwise he'd have been a free agent last year and been able to get that money already, you know, before the world came to an end. So, you know, um, I'm interested to see how that works out, man. But um, yeah, man, I I mean, yeah, the the money, it's just going to be about how much they're willing to spend. You know, what are they willing to do? It's not whether they have it, it's whether they're willing to spend it. And I, I think they will be. Right. I mean, I think they'll spend it on Correa, but, Will they have enough? I mean, can they go out and get, you know, two $30 million pitchers? I don't, no. I don't know about that. No, uh, no. Anyway. Yeah, not at all. No, I, I think to your point, I think that these younger guys are the ones that are that are cheap now. And it's a good thing that you're getting to see what you have of them. And, you know, hopefully you do have uh, Christian Javier and Framber Valdez and Brandon Belak continues to develop. And, and you can kind of rely on this experiment to be your cost-saving cost measure. Right. 
All right, Brandon, it was a pleasure having you on tonight. I really appreciate you uh, joining me. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you have. I'm glad you reached out. I'm, you know, anytime, you know, I love to talk to the Astros fans. Been rooting for the team my whole life, man. So anytime we can chop it up about the Strohs, um, I look forward to it, man. So thanks for having me. All right. I'll definitely have you back. Uh, thanks for tuning in, folks. We'll see you next time on Astros Baseball. Thanks for listening to this episode of Astros Baseball. Make sure to subscribe so that way you will be alerted when there is a new episode. Follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Fontenot. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.